Look at the Sichas Chelik Tezvov, Parshava Yeshev, Sicha Dalid. It's also a Sicha and Chanukah. In a Pirush from the Pasuk, in explaining the Pasuk, that they threw Yosef into a pit. So the Pasuk says, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. We find the Gemara to explain this in the Sugi for Chanukah, and this is discussed in the context of the story of Chanukah. Uh, meaning the uh, the discussion in the Gemara about Hanukkah, so it says there. But Amar Rav Kahana, so Rav Kahana said, Dorosh Rav Nosson, Rav Nosson Bar Minyumi, Rav Nosson the son of Minyumi interpreted this pasuk, Mishmeid Rav Tanchum in the name of Rav Tanchum, Mai Dechsiv Aboy Reik Eimber Mayim. What does it mean when it says in the pasuk the pit was empty, there was no water in it? Mimash Mashenem. Since it says in the pasuk Aboy Reik that the pit was empty. Any a day ashamed by Mayim? Do I not know that there was no water in it? It was empty. So then, what does the Torah mean when it says there was no water in it? Mayim There was no water in it. But there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. In other words, it was empty of water, but it wasn't empty of uh, snakes and scorpions. The Pashtus is dos was the Gemara bring the drasha. It was the simple understanding is why did the Gemara tell us this interpretation of uh, on the pasuk Vabayrek in the sugi from Hanukkah when it's talking about the subject of Hanukkah? How does this fit in with the subject of Hanukkah? So the reason is the farval the drasha is gizagavarim von zelbem and Omer because this interpretation was said by the same person. Which said the previous interpretation, which was in the context of Hanukkah. As the Gemara says, Reb Kahana taught and uh, said that Reb Nosson, the son of Minyumi, uh, spoke or interpreted in the name of Reb Tanchum. And, and the first one is Neir Hanukkah, where a subject of Hanukkah talks about the lights of Hanukkah. So therefore, the Gemara also tells us another um, interpretation of the same Rav Kahana who taught it in the same of Rav Nosson Bar Minyumi in the name of Rav Tamchul. So that's how it would be understood simply. Aber vigeret shen filmo, but as it was discussed many times, is yeder inin in Torah betachos adiuk. Everything in Torah is so precise and so specific. And therefore, based on this, when the Gemara brings that Rasha, in a given sugya, when the Gemara brings an interpretation in the context of a certain subject, Hanukkah, let's say, is it's not only for some, you know, parenthetical reason. For instance, the Zelba Bawa memory, because it's the same person that said that one, said this one. Nor, but rather the reason he brings it in this context is the Farval Didrasha Hatta Teichen Dikashaychas. Because the interpretation does have some connection, the content of this interpretation has some connection to the sugya in gebracht to the subject in which context is being brought. So, in other words, this story about habay reik is being brought. This interpretation of habay reik is being brought in the context of Hanukkah. So, it must have some connection to Hanukkah as well. Not just that parenthetically, the same two, same person said both of them. The fun is aich verstandig. So from this we also understand in regards to our matter as the and teichen zwischen the memra. Now that there is a connection between 
in the meaning of this interpretation of Abay Reik, with the inyan for Hanukkah, with the subject of Hanukkah. Obafrat loydem was the Shalosh shrive, especially in light of what the Shalosh writes. In Onif von Unza Parsha, at the beginning of this Parsha, as the Parsha Vayeshe, Parshas Vayeshe, Miketz and Vayigash, that these three Parshas of Vayeshe and Miketz and Vayigash, Hab Mashaychus Hanukkah have a connection to Hanukkah, since they are read in the time when Hanukkah occurs. And the Pasuk, this Pasuk, and the, the pit was empty. Is in our parsha, so there must be a connection between Hanukkah and this Pasuk. Base. Chazal Zogn, our sages tell us, They say, what is water? Water, when mentioned in the Torah, is a reference to Torah. The fun is moving from this. We understand as in Torah, vet when a state mayim that when it says water in the Torah is oich meramaz of Torah. It also not it doesn't talk just only about water in the literal sense, but it's also an allusion to Torah. Especially in this pasuk, that the pit was empty, there was no water, is mefurish bemedrash. The medrash comments on this. that it's talking about Torah. The Medrash says, Boir Reik. When it says that the pit was empty, it means Nisreikim Boirishal Yaakov. The pit, the holding place of, uh, that belonged to Yaakov, became emptied. Aim by Mayim. When it says it's, there was no water in it, Aim by Divra There were no words of Taira. Shanim Shalulamayim. That Taira is compared to water. So the Medrash explicitly says, that what it means there was no uh, there was no water in the pit means that Yaakov's pit of holiness where you would expect that there should be Torah was empty of Torah that's what my aim by Maya means and this is also the inner meaning of the Maya Chazal what our sages tell us that there was no water but there were snakes and scorpions as the Medrash bring especially that the Medrash brings both of these interpretations alongside each other. The first one being Mayim Eimboy of Nechashim Bakrab Yeshbay, that there's no water but snakes and scorpions. And the second one, Eimboy Mayim Eimboy Divrit Taira. The one where the Medrash says that there was no water means there were no words of Taira. That's also read, that's brought in the Medrash one after the other. So therefore, what it means to say is b'shas mizina matzav fun ein When a person is in a state where he doesn't have Torah, he hasn't been learning Torah, he's empty of Torah. This gives it. It just leads to then there will be snakes and scorpions. If there is no Torah, then there will be snakes and scorpions. And that there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground in which you would say, well, he doesn't know Torah, but at least he thinks uh, nice thoughts. So it says, no, if he doesn't have Torah, it will lead to snakes and scorpions. That when one has this lack of words of Torah, it doesn't only mean, well, he's empty of Torah, he doesn't have any Torah. 
when it can blame a full but he can be full of other neutral things which are not harmful. Nor rather what it means is in 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 his holding place, in his mind, which is empty of Torah, it's going to be invaded by snakes and scorpions. Which means things which are contrary to holiness. If you don't have holiness, you will be filled, you will be infiltrated by things which are contrary to holiness, not only neutral things. And this is Alderich Pirusha Baal Shemtev, similar to how the Baal Shemtev interprets the Pasuk, the Sartem Babadatem, you will, we say it in Shema, so the in Nevahoyim Shemaya it says, and if you will turn away from Hashem and you will worship idols. So he says the words you will turn away and serve idols are written one after the other. When a person is Vesartem, which means he turns away from Hashem, he separates himself from Hashem, immediately it leads to idol worship. And that there's no middle ground, there's no middle space. When a person turns away from Hashem, there is no extended period of uh, perhaps doing other things, no, it leads immediately to idol worship. That's how the Baal Shem Tov explains it, and this is similar to that. The which explains why the Torah doesn't have to specify that there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. But that we learned it only from the fact that the Torah says there was no water. The reason it doesn't have to specify it is this is something that doesn't have to be specified. Because to say that there are snakes and scorpions is this is an automatic result. It's the automatic result of there not being water or taira. You know for sure that there's going to be snakes and scorpions. There's no need to say it. When the far bring the medish, the tzvei perushim in hemshech, and that's why the medish brings these two interpretations in one continuous um, flow. Ein perush is totally a muzvah from tzveitin perush because one interpretation explains the other one. Dosos nachashiv akravim yeshvei. The reason that there were snakes and scorpions hatzgenuma b'derech memela came as an as a an automatic result from ein by mayim ein b'divratayra that there was no water, meaning there was no tayra. Um, time, and for this reason, which is the reason that this led to their behavior, which went completely contrary to Torah, to the selling of Yosef. Gimel. You could ask the following question. We can understand the way the Baal Shem Tev interprets the Pasuk, V'sartem V'avadatem, if you'll tell us, Red Vegendem Etzem Verbund, Und Vekes Unidem Mit Neibishen, which talks about the connection that the Yidden have with Hashem, is moving, so therefore it's understood, as V'in Nor V'sartem, as soon as somebody turns away from being connected to Hashem, a Ketzachop, from the Dvekes Mit Neibishen, you turn away from being connected to Hashem, is a Shoinan Inyum Fun Heipach, that is already a negative thing, that's already going against holiness and, and godliness and therefore therefore it will lead him automatically to worshipping it doesn't necessarily mean 
a literal worshipping, bowing down to a stone, but it, in a subtle way, it could be Yavai We know there are many interpretations, many ways of expressing the idea of idol worship. It doesn't have to be literally to an idol. But in our case, it's talking about that a person is lacking in their study of Torah, lacking water, so to speak. Is favos is favos the hechrech? Why does it? Why is it a given? As vibalts is nishtok and Torah that because there is no Torah, muz b'derech meila b'derech meila that there has to be it. it it's a given that there will be snakes and scorpions. That this will he will be filled with things which are opposed to Torah, in opposition to Torah. We also have to understand. It's known that the brothers of Yosef and Gehalten, they were of the opinion as Din, that according to the, to the Jewish law is Yosef Mechuyud Misa. They felt that Yosef was deserving of death. On Amidik, because they, they uh, accepted as Yosef is on they felt that he was conspiring to have them, to, that they should die. Because they were in, they informed, he, was, uh, he was telling his father about his brothers that they were doing certain things. And so they felt that he was trying to get Yaakov to turn Yaakov away from them, which in a sense would lead to their death, so to speak. And therefore they felt that he was deserving of death for that. And therefore he was considered to be a pursuer, what's called a pursuer, somebody that is trying to kill someone else. You are commanded to kill him first. Other or mitzad under a time for other reasons. We said as other commentaries explain that uh, one says that he was, they felt that he was like an aid, a false witness. Somebody that is a false witness deserves the punishment that he wanted to inflict on the other person, and he was accusing them of doing things which were prohibited according to the Sheva Mitzvah Benayach, the seven Noachide laws. The law is that if a non-Jew which they were at the time yet not yet in this in the status of a Jew, and if a non-Jew commit, uh, violates one of the seven Noahide laws, then they deserve death. So, if a false testimony, Yeshua was giving false testimony that they violated Avim and Achai and other things, so therefore they they he deserves death because he was lying about them is how they felt. So in other words, they felt that they were doing something that was in accordance with the laws of the Torah. Heint Favos said, then why is it, why does the Zagda Medrash, why does the Medrash say, as Durdem was Givolt Hargan and Yosef, that because they wanted to kill Yosef, is Nisraikim Bereshul Yaakov, the pit, which in, an, in a positive way, the holdings of Yaakov became emptied of holiness. There was no words of Torah. From this it would seem as the It would seem as if the brothers, Yosef's brothers, were not considering the opinion of Torah. The Aisladitim is given up in Torah, which in, in fact they were considering the opinion of Torah. They thought that this was according to the Torah. Dalit. So we'll understand this by first explaining. 
then Pam was Chazal Faglaichem Torah Mitzumayim. Why is it that our sages compare Torah to water? What's the comparison between the two? Torah is Tugiglichem Lekamad Varim. Torah is compared to a number of things. For instance, to bread, lechem, yayim, v'shemen. Sometimes it's compared to bread, sometimes to wine, sometimes to oil, and so on. In Torah, which each one of these comparisons, analogies, describe another dimension, another aspect of Torah. In a certain way, Torah is compared to bread. In a certain way, to wine, and so on. Is Torah in in Torah? So, in in other words, when you compare Torah to water, it's comparing a certain aspect of Torah to water. What is that? What is that comparison? Our sages tell us. Why is it that Torah is compared to water? To tell you, just like water always leaves the high point. It always goes for the lowest point. Water always finds the way its way down to the lowest point. So also words of Torah cannot last only by somebody that is humble. Torah will always leave somebody that is haughty, arrogant, and will make its way and will find its its place of comfort by some, with someone that is humble. What this means is, thus haste, as mayim is nisht ad dogma of etzeminyan that the, the comparison, the analogy of Torah with water is not the, trying to describe Torah itself, nor rather, if the bittel v'shiflutsa rather it describes what should be the mindset of the person that is studying Torah. The water describes the mindset. When you study Torah, you have to be humble. That's what the meaning of, that's what the comparison of water to Torah. Be humble like water, which always goes, because Torah always goes downward and finds the lowest point. Therefore, Torah always finds comfort by people that are humble. So, understanding this idea, so this answers now the question, does the Medrash Anal what the Medrash tells us, that the pit of Yaakov was emptied from Torah, there was no Torah. What does it mean? For is given They did have Torah, and they did lead their lives according to the law of the Torah, even in this terrible thing of selling Yosef. What they were lacking was the water aspect of Torah. As he says, the pit was empty, there was no water. In other words, they didn't have the water aspect of Torah, even as they studied Torah and conducted their lives according to Torah. Their sense of humility, at least according to the level of their greatness. That doesn't mean to say that they were actually arrogant. What it means to say is that they were people of a very a super human spiritual level. They were on a very very high level, the sons of Yaakov. So in in commensurate with their level of greatness, they should have had an even greater level of humility than the regular person. And that's what they were lacking. 
Okay, moving from the Kriyas of Bittel Bad Gosha in Tfilus Hamida. This idea that's, that the greater a person is, the more humble they have to be, the more humility they have to express, can be understood from the way we bow down in davening, in Tfilus Hamida during Shemenesrim. As the Seder is, what is the order of the bowing down? Kareya Baruch. You bow at Baruch when you say the word Baruch. And you stand upright when you say Hashem's name. Because when you're saying Hashem's name, you should be standing upright again. So you, you bend at the knee by the word Baruch and Atta, and then by Hashem you should be standing upright already. However, there is one exception. Hamelech, the king, when he davens Shemin Esra, Kibben Shekereya, once he bends at the knee, once he bows, Shuv Eini he doesn't stand straight anymore. He remains in a bowed position for the entire Shemin Esra. Which means that the king, who is the highest person of the community, he has to show humility, which nobody else has to show, anybody else bows down for a moment and then stands straight the king has to remain bowed so in other words the higher the person the more humility they have to show and therefore the, the sons of Yaakov not that they didn't have humility but they didn't have the humility on the level that they should have so in other words when it says it doesn't mean that they lacked Torah, they had Torah but they lacked the aspect of humility that they should have had in their study of Torah but based on this so the question that we're asking becomes even more emphasized how is it that the moment a person lacks the water which now means lacks the proper humility in his study of Torah now it's a given that he's going to be filled with the snakes and scorpions so the was by felt just for the reason that when he's studying Torah he lacks enough humility. So he should already we already suspect him of or not suspect him. It's a given that he's going to be filled with uh, snakes and scorpions. which means something which stands in opposition to Torah, all for not being humble enough. Hey, the beer in them, so to explain. The Ikafan Taira is as Dorgdam Limud Fabintman Zich Mitnais Nataira. The main purpose of Taira is that when a Yid studies Taira, he is making a connection with the one who gave the Taira, with Hashem himself. That's the purpose of Taira. When the Riber is the Inu from Bittl Vishifus at Nai Ikri, and that's why humility when you study Taira is not just some nice um, gesture or it's a nice place to be when you're studying Torah it's a fundamental need it's the only way that the real purpose of Torah can be realized as long as a person remains important to himself is Ernoch Mugder is Ernor Mugder in the Hagbalusana Nivra he still remains in the parameters. He still remains stuck in the parameters of a created being. 
and the faris and nishmas sugels of abinzach mendayz in the and therefore it's not possible that he should make a connection with Hashem. Thus, he's believable because Hashem is infinite. So you know when you're defined as a created being and Hashem is infinite, how do you make a connection? There's no basis for a connection. It's only when when a person is in a state of humility, absolute humility, when a person is absolutely feels no self-importance at all. So he loses his status as a created being, at least in his mind, because he no longer is stuck in I am and I want and I need and so on. So therefore he escapes to some degree that definition of the created being. Then he is able to make a connection with the infinite. From the Torah of the one, the giver of the Torah. So when a per, when a yid learns Torah and he feels self-important, so he's just, in other words, you're emphasizing your personal status, which is a created being. Therefore, what connection can you have with Hashem? But when you lose your self-importance to a great degree, to an absolute degree, you are not important at all. You're just a channel for the study of Torah. So therefore now you're not anymore exhibiting, you don't proclaim your status as a created being, and therefore that allows for the infinite aspect of Torah to flow through you, and therefore now you could make a connection with Hashem. And now we can understand also the Hemshech and the Bakasha, this, uh, the, the phrase that we say, my soul, my person should be like dust to everyone. I should be, everyone should consider me like dust. In other words, I exhibit absolute humility, which is followed by the words that say, open my heart to your Torah. What's the connection between the two? Every, I should consider myself like dust for every, in front of everyone. Open my heart to Torah. What's the connection? Now we understand it. But before we get to the answer, when a person requests that he should be able to be successful in the study of Torah when you want to be able to understand Torah you have to be into the learning you have to be thinking and understanding and so on when can you understand Torah when you your your mind your intellect has to be on display intellect is a part of the human condition you have to be on display your ability capacity to be able to understand and to delve deep and deeper and so on that is an emphasis on your human abilities so the request on in the second part of this pasuk is an emphasis on your on your capabilities but the first part of the passage which says my soul, my person should be like dust for, to everyone is that completely negates any kind of personal importance that he is nothing which, which, goes, which is a contradiction to the idea of being able to be 
involved in the study of Torah to the degree where you can understand and, and delve deep and so on as we said before so the explanation is when can we have our heart open to your Torah as it says over here your Torah Torah Shulcha Torah Secha means your Torah when can a person be to be able to receive the Torah of Hashem versus built in Mugbelis, which is infinite, as we said? Only if a person feels this humility utterly and thoroughly. Not just ordinary humility, but being feeling like dust in front of anyone. Anyone is better than me or as the everybody can use me as their stepping stone everybody can use me as their mat everyone can step on me when you have that kind of you become able it becomes possible that you should receive the Torah of Hashem the infinite Torah and after that, then when a person is in that state and he has bitl, and then he can become, now he's ready to receive Hashem's Torah. And then he can go, then he can go into the, step into the role of working hard to understand Torah. How do you step into that role of working hard to study Torah? By using your mind, using your the, your abilities to the best of your abilities. Then he has the capacity to be able to integrate the Torah of Hashem as it is the Torah of Hashem. By using his own talents, as the Pasuk says, open my heart. The heart is an inner feeling, not uh, something which is part of the human condition. So when you practice humility, you're ready to receive Hashem's Torah. Then you can use your abilities in order to be able to understand it and so on. Vov, the mitvet menoich fashtein adovatomua was megifin by limitatayrov. Now we can understand something which is very strange that we find in regards to the study of Torah. Behind which is as in dibur from Torah is da milo the gabe havonus at Torah. There is a certain quality in speaking the words of Torah, verbalizing the words of Torah, even over your understanding what what it means. Where do we see that the din is the halacha is as hamahara b'divir Torah ain't sarach levarach. If somebody thinks only thinks Torah ideas of Torah, he doesn't have to make the bracha of birchas at Torah. If you speak words of Torah, you have to make the bracha first. If you th- only think it, then you don't have to make the brachas. Because thinking is not the same as speaking. Anything that he studies only through thinking. And he is, it's, a, it's a something that he could also verbalize. The But he doesn't verbalize it. So if a person is thinking Torah... But it's something that he should he should really be saying the words. He cannot fulfill his by this kind of learning. 
to fulfill the mitzvah of or the obligation of studying Torah. So if a person is thinking, he's just sitting and thinking, and he's thinking deeply on a matter, but he's really in, uh, he should be saying these words. He should be saying the Gemara as he learns it. But he doesn't, so he's not yet the mitzvah. Noch mer even more, the Avana from Torah is verbunden mit Dibur from Torah. To be able to understand Torah properly is connected with saying the words. How do we see that? The Chazal our sages tell us, the Pasuk says they are life to those who find them. So they, they interpret the Pasuk as don't say, it shouldn't be read as those who find it, but rather to those who verbalize it those who express it by, uh, in, ver- in words thinking about it alone is not called expressing it in words It'll, it, only then im if it's not nish, uh, if not the Gemara goes further and says if you're if the, the Torah that you study is expressed even only through your words, but not with the rest of your body, if you're not totally into it, if it is, uh, if it is, uh, it involves your entire being, so your, you know, your hands are expressing what you're saying, and so on, you're, you're into it fully with every part of your body, then it remains, then you'll remember it. The im love, but if it's not expressed that way, it doesn't stay. You forget. In other words, we see from this chazal that thinking it alone is not enough. Speaking is necessary, and even more than speaking, you have to even express it with every part of your body. But this has to be understood. If somebody says the words of not Torah Shavikzav, not Chomish, but of Gemara or Mishnayis or Shulchan or whatever, some other, some part of the oral Torah. If you say it, but you don't understand, you don't understand what you're saying. In the Psagdin, in Shulchan Aruch, says, it's not considered learning at all. Because Torah Shavikzav has to be understood in order for it to be meaningful in any way. If you just say the words, but you don't understand it, it's not; it's doing nothing. Whereas when you learn Torah Shabbat Psukim or whatever, so there, saying it is also valuable, even if you don't understand the words. Does haste are the inyan alimud by Torah Shabbat meaning which, which the, what this means is what does it mean to learn in regards to Torah Shabbat the oral Torah. Means you have to understand what you are learning. If so, based on this, then why is it so important to also verbalize it? The point is to understand it. Saying the words doesn't help if you don't understand it. So why isn't it enough if you understand it in your mind, but why do you have to say it too? Then why does, the, why does it say that you should say it? that it's so important to say it as I've just felt that if you're lacking at verbalizing it is not only does he not have to make the bracha the bracha satayra 
uh, may you don't fulfill the, the uh, requirement of learning Torah but it goes even further that it's not going to remain with you even under what you're understanding you'll, you'll forget it's not going to remain why is that? Zion is that bar, as bar in them. So the explanation is this, as we said before, the ikavan Torah is vabun vas mahad doch Torah mit nois The main feature of Torah is the connection that you get with Hashem because you're learning Torah. On the faran, therefore, muz oich the limit of Torah zayin. Therefore, the way you study the Torah also has to be in an oifna the avon of asagat funim inyan that the way that you learn has to be not that. The understanding of it is nishvias is The way you learn it has to be not the way a person understands things. That's not where it should end. Nor, but rather The way you learn Torah has to be in the way that is the way Hashem sort of would expect or wants it or or the way He sees it. You have to relate to it as the Torah of Hashem, not the Torah that I can understand and I came up with an idea and so on. The funus moving from this we understood, understand. As is nishmaspik the tenuah from bittel blois alza hagdama zulimadat Torah. That it's not enough that as a prerequisite to learning Torah you have to have bittel. But then, once you reach the level of bitul, you feel that you're approaching Hashem's holy Torah, and that you want to connect to Him, and it's not about you, and so on. Once you have that in, uh, prerequisite, the introduction, then you can go ahead and learn Torah in any way you want, because you're, the basis of it is your connection to Hashem through humility. So that's not enough. Nor the len and alei but the, rather the way you learn to study the Torah also has to be in an oifim from bittel in a way of humility. What does humility mean in this context? Therefore the study, the way you learn Torah has to be that you actually say the words. Not only that, that it has to be, your whole body has to be involved in it. To explain. A person is studying the Torah only with his mind with his ability to understand and brings that to bear on the subject matter and therefore he's thinking it that's all he does, he thinks it the Hechsta Milo from the mention which Seichel intellect is of course the high point of, human, of the human condition that's the highest power that a person has when he only brings to bear his thinking which means I'm using my highest, um, my highest power, my highest talent, which is intellect. So what is the emphasis here? I am a person. I'm using a person's highest uh, uh, talent. What does that put the emphasis on? You as a person with a strong intellect. So he remains... In the, in the parameters of a person he's stuck in the parameter of a person using the person's highest uh, talent and therefore is unable to capture 
the infinite aspect of Hashem, the godly aspect, sorry, of Torah. And this can be understood like this. The Marshal, the Gemara says that a person cannot imagine, cannot even dream of an elephant entering the eye of a needle. But there is ways you can imagine it. If you see, you know, the elephant's uh, nose gets reduced to the size of a, a thread and goes in and then comes out at the other side and it gets expanded again. That's not what it means. What it means is, imagine seeing an elephant remain in its massive mass and fitting through the eye of a needle while the eye of the needle remains in its tiny opening. So you you cannot even dream that because there's no way to imagine that. A person cannot imagine that. It's a contradiction in space. Something big cannot fit into a small space. So if this is true for a physical, two physical entities then how much more when we talk about uh, Hashem fitting into my mind if, if it's true for an uh, elephant even though an elephant is also limited in its size since the eye of the needle is smaller than the elephant is in ganzen abgefragt therefore it's totally out of the question to be able to even imagine the elephant going into that small opening until it's, it, a person cannot even see it in a dream in a dream you often see things which are contradictory they're ridiculous two things contradict each other but this kind of contradiction you cannot even dream Allah has come of a come so much more so as that Torah which is connected with Hashem which means the 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 toy so to speak the the delight the delight of the king himself the bligvula miti who is the true in state of infinite Hashem which is the greatest infinite possible. Certainly, that that kind of infinite idea cannot fit into the seichel from the adam madadom to be able to fit into these uh, to the mind of a limited person. A person's understanding is very limited. How could something infinite like Hashem's personal Torah, which means the stuff that He enjoys and He delights in, how is that supposed to fit into the human mind? That's not possible. And therefore, when a person studies Torah that way, without the bittel, so then it, it doesn't remain. It can't stay it doesn't get absorbed. It cannot have a lasting effect. At least when a person is in the state of a person and I'm using my intellect and so on. As the Gemara tells the story there, as a Talmud, there was a certain student that would study quietly. He wouldn't say the words. And he forgot everything that he learned. So we see that when a person studies it through intellect alone, so then it doesn't last. But when a person connects his study of Torah also with saying it, even more than just the mouth, but with all the other parts of the body, so his hands are involved and so on. 
that your mouth saying things is on a lower level than your intellect. So in other words, it's not so much an emphasis on my abilities and my high standard of abilities. Certainly if you're waving your hands, that certainly doesn't describe human, you know, the high point of human ability. Which means, I learn in a way that I come down from my important intellectual capacity. And and that I involve every part of myself into the learning. So that expresses a level of humility. It takes away the self-importance of who you are. Only then can Only then can the Torah of Hashem, which is so infinite, can it be absorbed in apnimius internally? And it, then it will remain; it will not evaporate. It evaporates because it doesn't really enter, because it can't enter. So therefore, it goes away. But when you do it the right way, so then it enters and then it remains. Ches. Alpizeh is good for standing. Based on this, we can now understand very well the Maim Chazal, what our sages tell us, Maim Eimei of Nechashim Akravim Yeshvei, that there was no water, but there was snakes and scorpions. Ukanal, and as we interpreted that to mean the Pirush in them, as Oib Nor Maim Eimei, that as, as, as soon as you know that there is no water, is Bederech Memelu Nechashim Akravim Yeshvei, automatically, it's a given that there will be snakes and scorpions. Now we can understand it. Since the main feature of Torah is the connection with Hashem, the giver of the Torah, which comes, which is reached, achieved only through the humility of the one learning. Therefore, there is no middle ground here. Either the person is humble and therefore bottle to the one to Hashem and then when he studies Torah it's always in the right direction he's always heading in the right direction reaching for the right purpose this is this is the the goal is always to reach what does Hashem want what does he really want with this what is he try, really trying to say other, I think, but if there is no water, which means the Torah is not accompanied by bittel, by this uh, self submission to Hashem, then you lose your connection to the one who gave the Torah. As we said before, how much more so if an elephant can't go through a an el- limited elephant can't go through a limited eye of a needle they're both limited so how much more so that the infinite um, wisdom of Hashem cannot enter the, hum- the finite mind of the human and therefore we get back to the, what the Baal Shem just said the moment you turn away from Hashem automatically you're going to be, end up worshipping idols on some level.
So therefore, Nachashim Bakrav and Yeshbay is going to go straight to automatically by default goes to the snakes and scorpions. Nishnor to Not only does he not have a connection to Torah, Kamaim Chazal, as our sages tell us, Loi Timotze Begase Ruach. Torah cannot be found by the arrogant, by the self-important. Nor is the mit but he becomes not only will the Torah not land in within him, reside in him, but he also becomes stands in opposition to holiness. As our sages tell us, which is what it means, snakes and scorpions. And as our sages tell us, I, meaning Hashem, and him, the arrogant person, cannot live together in the world. We're mutually exclusive to each other. Hashem cannot be in the presence of a self-important person. And even more is written, when a person is arrogant, it's as if he worships idols. It's as if he denies the uh, the truth of Hashem. Which is what the Baal Shem Tov said. If you turn away, you will end up denying Hashem. Worshipping idols. This is also what the Medish is telling us about the brothers of Yosef. As Nisraikim Barishal Yaakov, the pit of Yaakov became emptied, aimed by Divir Taira, there is no words of Taira there. Bazei hat nishgif felt chasr shalom de'etzam limit at Taira. It's not that they were lacking learning Taira. That's not what it means. Unzei haben gehalten as alpidin kumt Yosef misa. And it's true that they, they, the reason that they decided that they wanted to kill Yosef was because they felt that this was the Torah, what the Torah expects. So that's true. So Tabbaizege felt what was missing for them, for them. As I said before, at least in comparison to where they should have been in the in the in the area of Bittel, they they were lacking the water of Torah, the Bittel at least on their level, and therefore, because they weren't bottle, and therefore they weren't searching for the truth of the way Hashem sees that truth. And therefore they came to the wrong conclusion. They thought that uh, Yosef should be killed, but that was the wrong conclusion, and that's why they reached that wrong conclusion, because they weren't, didn't have enough Mayan bittel, and therefore they didn't see it they weren't looking to find what, the, what does Hashem really want, and they came to their own conclusions. Tess. The Sipurim from Nunza Parsha, the stories in our Parsha of Engdimu, about the events between Yosef and his brothers, and in all this is leading to the Golos Mitzrayim, and then eventually getting out of Mitzrayim. Why is that? Because the selling of Yosef is what led to the fact that Yaakov and his family had to go down to Mitzrayim. And the purpose of this whole going down to Mitzrayim, being redeemed from Mitzrayim, is all leading to Matan Torah. That's the whole, that's the goal. That's where it's all heading. And the same is true also in regards to this lesson of there's, if there's no water, then there is snakes and scorpions as the Torah learns in that parsha, which is what the lesson that the Torah gives us in this parsha. That this is something which touches upon the very 
idea of Matan Torah. There's this idea of the water with Torah, which means the bittel that has to be accompanied Torah, which is required of the one that studies Torah, as we said, in order to be able to establish a connection with Hashem. This is, for the most part, this happened, this came about by Matan Torah, as opposed to earlier than Matan Torah. The The difference between the way the Ovis learned Torah before Matan Torah and the Limud Torah from the Bonim Lach Matan Torah and the study of Torah by their children, which is the Yidden after Matan Torah. The difference is Far Matan Torah is the Limud given by Before Hashem gave the Torah, then everyone that studied Torah was doing it under their own steam. This is what they brought to the table. They did it as best as they could. They were able to understand of Torah only as much as a human, limited human, created being is able to understand in matters of Torah. Their Uftu, which as we know is very limited because it's an infinite thing. Their Uftu for Matan Torah is what was accomplished by Matan Torah is the He gave us His Torah. The emphasis on the word He gave us, not that we reach to understand Torah, but that He gave us Torah. The Torah is Torah. He gave us the Torah as it is His Torah, the Torah of Hashem, as we said before, the delight of the King Himself. So that's what He gave us: the full. Impact of Torah is that was given by Hashem to every single Jew. As we understand from the halacha, which is as that every single Jew on Yedin Tog and every single day is has to say And what does it say in the Berachos Torah? Which means it's talking. If I have to say it and you have to say it. And every single year has to say it. That means it pertains to each and every one of us. So Hashem gave His Torah to me and to you and to every single person that has to say that bracha. So the difference is that before Matan Torah they were learning as much as they could understand, grasp, not with Hashem giving it to them and therefore it didn't have that infinite dimension to it. Today every year has Torah with the infinite dimension to it. In the Maimer Chazal, which also explains something that the Chazal tells us, at the beginning, after Matan Torah, Moshe would learn the Torah, but he would forget until Hashem granted it to him as a gift. This also needs to be understood. Even before the before Matan Torah, Yidden were learning Torah. As the sages tell us, from all the days of the of our patriarchs, they always there was always a state of a yeshiva. There's always a yeshiva going on. People were learning Torah, always. So in other words, they were learning Torah before Matan Torah too. And obviously. They weren't forgetting what they were learning. If they were having a yeshiva, if they were having a study, studying of Torah all those hundreds of years, 
obviously they didn't forget it every day or all the time. Or befrates as andish is nitshayach the limud na'efim from yeshiva. Certainly, from the fact that it's called that they were learning Torah in the yeshiva, so you can't say that every day they had to start from scratch from olive bays again. Obviously, yeshiva means you're growing and you're moving forward, and you can't do that if you're always forgetting. So then why is it that after Matan Torah, Moshe was learning and he was forgetting what he was learning? Why would that be? Nor the beer in them, but the explanation is the limit for Matan Torah is given in the Pechina from Torah as we said, the learning before Matan Torah was in the way, in the capacity that a human can understand it. And that's why it was able to be absorbed internally because they used their own minds, they did the best they could, and they reached the level that a human can understand, and that can easily sit in your mind. But by Matan Torah, when Hashem gave Moshe his Torah, Torah as it is completely transcended of creation, period. Which a, a human being, a created being, cannot absorb this. That's why Moshe, he, Hashem gave it to him. But, so he was trying to learn it, but it doesn't sit. It's completely beyond him. So he kept forgetting it. Similar to what we wrote, said before, that why isn't it Mishtameres? If you don't say it with your mouth, why doesn't it remain? Why don't you remember it? Because it remains the it's God's Torah, which is supposed to be absorbed by being bottled. And if you're not bottled, then it's not absorbed. And that's why you forget it. So in a similar way, Moshe Rabbeinu was forgetting it. Until it was given to him as a gift. What happened then? Hashem, who is um, omniscient, which means he can do anything that he wants. And he has the ability to bring together infinite and finite. So he gave Moshe his Torah, which means the infinite Torah. Now Hashem granted in him as a gift that he took that which is infinite and he made it possible for Moshe to be able to absorb it in his finite mind. Because Hashem can do that. He can bring together infinite and finite. And when he gives it as a gift and it says that whoever gives a gift gives generously. So therefore he gave it to him fully, not just a partial gift, but he gave it to him fully. He gave it to him as a gift. When somebody gives somebody a gift, it's not because they did something to it, it's not that they paid for it. You give it to him free of charge. So it's not that something Moshe Rabbeinu had to earn by somehow rising up to the infinite level. No, Hashem gave it to him without him having to become infinite so he gave it to a finite person and then Moshe Rabbeinu was able to absorb it because Hashem made it possible 
That was the gift. And this is not reserved only for Moshe Rabbeinu. This happens for every Yid as well. That the Torah of Hashem, which means the infinite Torah, becomes absorbed and he's able to retain it and to understand it. It remains, not forget that it evaporates. Because as we say in the Bracha, he gives the Torah to each of us. Because Hashem gives it to us as a gift, just like He gave it to Moshe Rabbeinu. But on the other hand, even though we receive the Torah, we, we absorb it, we take it, we receive it, because Hashem has given it to us like a gift, but it still needs us to be humble, to have bitl in her study of Torah. In order for the Torah to be able to remain, as we said before, it's conditional on that. So why does it? Why is it conditional on that? If Hashem is giving a gift, what uh, what conditions have to be met? The reason is is since the purpose of it is. As Hashem wants that everything that a Yid receives should be through his own efforts. Nothing should come free. Not, not that we get it as bread of shame, which means a person that gets something free and didn't put in any effort is ultimately embarrassed by the fact and can't really enjoy the fact that they have it because it, you always feel, I didn't really do anything to deserve this. And Hashem doesn't want that feeling to come along with the gifts that He gives. So He requires that, that we do Avaida, we do something to earn it. That's why the person has to do something from our perspective, from our side. We have to contribute something. Which will make the person fit in Agavisa must to some degree to be able to absorb Hashem's Torah so even though he could give it as a gift but he needs us to do something and that something is the practice of Bittl studying Torah by Bittl that comes through Bittl which is what hap, uh, helps you get out of your limited state of being and state of understanding and state of absorbing and because you're not expressing the finiteness of a created being because of your bittal then that's what allows the gift to be absorbed and you can understand it and you can relate to it and then it remains with you as well I shouldn't say understand that but it allows you to connect to the infinite aspect of it and that's when it uh, that's when it stays Yud now, based on all of this, is and now we can understand also the Keshet Zvishin, the Maim the connection between what our sages say, Mayim, Aimbay, that there was no water in the pit, and uh, but there were snakes, Midna'inyu from Chanukah, the connection with Chanukah. That was the original question. What does all this have to do with Chanukah? Which is the reason that the, the Gemara quotes this um, Drush. In the in the in its discussion of Hanukkah. 
says Yedua the Hezbeh Funim Diuk Haloshen in the Nusach and Alanism. It's well known the explanation of the way the Alanism, which is the prayer that we say in Hanukkah, the way it's phrased. It says, Kishamda Malchus when the evil kingdom of the Greeks arose, they tried to make us forget your Torah. It doesn't say the Torah. It says your Torah. Which is explained to me, as the Yavanim by Eden, that the Greeks wanted to cause the Jews to forget. They wanted to tear them away. Not that they wanted the Eden to stop studying Torah. That her is a wise book, it's a terrific book, and they, they were okay that the Yidin should continue to study Torah. Uprisings they eliminated the Torah. It's not that they wanted to tear them away from the study of Torah in general. Nor, what they did want is, they wanted to tear away that idea. It's not anything special. It's a wise book, like any other book. Godly, infinite. What are you talking about? That's what they were arguing against. To say that it's Hashem's Torah. And the far, and it's for this reason, that's why they contaminated all the oil in the in the Beis It's not that they broke all the jars of all the oil, and uh, you know there shouldn't be any oil to light the menorah. They were not against lighting the menorah. They were against saying Hashem. Yeah, they were against the Yidin saying that if a guy touches it, if a Greek touches the oil, it's no longer usable. What, is, what does that Tumah mean? There is no such thing as Tumah, they said. That's a spiritual thing. And that's what they didn't believe in, and that's what they wanted the Jews to leave behind, the old ways. And why is it specifically Shemen, the oil? Does was the Torah is Torah Hashem. I went back to the previous paragraph. But Shemen is the beginning from Chachma, which oil is also the idea of Chachma. In other words, they wanted to contaminate the Chachma, the wisdom, which means you can have wisdom, but it should be contaminated. Not, don't think that this is godly. It's just regular human endeavor. The Yevanim given as by the Shemen. The Greeks were okay that the Jews should have their oil, which means in this context, the wisdom of, and the study of Torah. But they wanted it to be contaminated oil. Contaminated means with their Greeks' ideas of what it is. They, didn't, they wanted to disconnect it from any meaning of holiness of Torah, with the one who gave the Torah with Torah Secha, your Torah they wanted to disconnect the Yidin from the idea that all of this is godly that's, the, that's what is meant by what is written in Al-Nissim this is one of the reasons why Hashem made this particular miracle that they should find one jar of pure oil uncontaminated oil even though from, the, from a halachic perspective in which we say that when everybody is Tomei, the entire Jewish community is Tomei, so we suspend the laws of Tumah. And from that, with that law, 
they would have been permitted to light the menorah with oil that is contaminated because it's suspended so why did Hashem make the miracle when they could have lit the menorah even without that miracle the reason is because the, the uh, victory of Hanukkah is made up of the fact that it should be your Torah that has to be connected with Hashem that it should all be pure and uncontaminated by the Greeks so because the Yidin were fighting that battle that's why Hashem gave them the miracle that they should be able to do it in such a way that it remains uncontaminated and as we discussed before that there's no water that it's only through the water of Torah which means the the subservience and the submission to the one that gives the Torah is men Hashem only then are we safe from the, the snakes and the scorpions from anything negative and if we fall into the trap of using contaminated stuff for the mitzvah, so then it invites the Nechashim Akraven. Al Dar says it's in the meaning for Hanukkah, the same is true for Hanukkah. As Dav Gedurder Adloka for Neiris Hanukkah. It was only through the lighting of the Shem and Toir, lighting the Menoyer of the Menoyer in the Beis Hamikdash with pure oil or uncontaminated oil. Vet Kali Rigul Tamadoi. When we light the lights of Hanukkah, it says you have to do it. You are allowed to light the uh, lights of Hanukkah. It's simply a halachic thing. Till what time can you light them in the era? Until the businessmen, the 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 peddlers that walked the streets at the time, until they stop walking the streets. In other words, by then there's nobody around to see it anyway. So after that, you don't light them in the era. But what the spiritual lesson from that is that the purpose of lighting the menorah is to do away with the with the peddlers. The peddlers are the, we're non-Jewish. In other words, the influence of the non-Jewish world. Till you get rid of that, till you neutralize that. That's the purpose of the lights of Hanukkah. And the word Tarmudoi, which also means Tarmud Oasis Meredes. If you rearrange the words of Tarmud, which means the peddler, it means rebellion. Kolzman is felt in the meaning from Pach, Shem, and Toir. As long as you're lacking the, the uh, uncontaminated oil, Torah if you're lacking the commitment to Hashem's Torah, there is still room, it still could happen that one becomes rebellious. And in the Mevishn, rebellions against Hashem, as the Baal Shem said, the Sartem, if you turn away from being connected to Hashem, which is through Bittl, uh, through Torah, then Vavadatem it leads to rebelling against Hashem. Through our lighting the, the Hanukkah lights, at the door of the house to the outside, facing the outside, which means to illuminate the outside, by this we neutralize the the peddlers, you know, which means the the outside forces, other forces. And they are we get rid of them also from the street out there, never mind your own house, but even from the outside, the Tachos HaShlemus, and it gets done in its perfect way, as that we completely destroy the whole idea of rebelling against Hashem, and even the feet 
of the, as it says there, until the feet of the peddlers are gone. So we even get rid of the feet of the peddlers, which means the, even the lowest level of theirs, never mind their minds and so on. Biz as mizmei the cheshkas agolus until we illuminate the darkness of the golus. We bring the rab the gula mitzvah and we bring down the full redemption the karum mamish very soon.